Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I needed some time away with them, with family. And that's always critical. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Father, what a pleasure to be in your house, study your word, make a joyful noise in the Lord. We pray for ears to hear what's said from your scriptures. Pray that we will hear with ears of faith, we will have feet of obedience, and that we will honor you. And we do thank you for mothers and their impacts in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Being retired, you don't really remember days very well because you don't have a normal schedule. And the elders remembered, oh, do you remember that's Mother's Day? Well, I already had another sermon mapped out. So, um, and I really have it in the churches I have preached in. I have never preached a Mother's Day sermon, believe it or not. So you're going to get a first. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 15. And if you can do it, Hold, find Mark 7 as well. We need to read the two parallel accounts of this event. Anytime you study anything in the New Testament, and actually in the Old, you need to look at the parallel accounts as much as possible. There's always something different. And those differences give more power to the events that have occurred. So let's read first Matthew 15, start in verse 21 through 20, 28. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that, that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she's shouting after us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It's not good to take children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you, as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. And let's turn then to Mark 7. And there are a lot of similarities. There's just a few important differences. And from there, start in verse 24, he arose and went away to the region of Tyre. And when he entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Yet he could not escape notice. That's the big difference. But after hearing of him, a woman whose, whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrian Phoenician race. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. 
And he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it's good, not good, to take the children's bread and throw it out to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go your, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter, and going home to her home, she found the child laying on the bed, the demon having departed. Some slight differences, but they bring a lot of strength to what the scriptures say. If you, I like preaching out of miracles because it puts me all throughout the New Testament. It forces me to do things that you won't find in commentaries, you won't find in books. So I spent a lot of time in this area. And if one were closely to examine the 35 miracles of Christ, only five involve women. And only three were mothers. Only three were mothers. Peter's mother-in-law, the widow of Nain, and this woman, the Syrian Phoenician mother. Only three. Now, does that mean God doesn't care much about mothers? No, he cares. But he has some interesting things to say. And it happens to be that this woman was a Gentile. And there's something that happens here when you look at the chronological order of the miracles. There are three miracles that follow the chronological order. And this is the first. It's in a Gentile area. The second is recorded in Mark 7. It's the area of the deaf mute who the Gerizim demonic went back to Decapolis in a different part. That's the first miracle there as a result of the Gerizim demonic. And then the next miracle in this Gentile area was the feeding of the 4,000. Three miracles. Wow. Wow. And so when I thought about mothers, I thought, well, I could preach on Hannah, 1 Samuel 1 and 2. I could preach on Ruth. I could preach on uh, Rispath, one of the concubines of Saul, who had her sons hung. And, and Dr. Alsop and I were talking, don't talk about that one. They, they won't like that one. But it's a beautiful miracle of a mother paying the ultimate self-sacrifice. She did. But hopefully this miracle will cause you to reflect on your mother and give thanks. Now notice, I didn't say if your mother was a believer or not. You still need to give thanks. Let's look at the mother's background. In Mark, the scriptures record that we read that Jesus had withdrawn to the region of Tyre and Sidon into a house and wanted no one to know it. He wanted to be alone. 
He had his disciples with him, but he wanted to be alone. But you need to understand the timing. What events have occurred prior. The events that occurred prior is the feeding of the 5,000. The next event is the Sermon on the Bread of Life. And if you remember that sermon given in John, reported in John, a lot of the disciples left him. They left him. And it's also under, this is the end of his second year of ministry has closed. And so, Jesus has just experienced tremendous rejection. He needed to pull the disciples away to spend some time out. And he went to a Gentile region. And this region, uh, uh, Syrian Phoenician, is, let me paint where it is. It is on the west coast of Israel, above the Sea of Galilee. So it is northwest of the Sea of Galilee. Northwest of the Sea of Galilee. That'll be important in a minute. And the scripture says in Mark, after hearing of him, she came to Jesus. Notice, she had no first-hand report. It was a second-hand or third-hand. And that's how things were communicated in those days. It was verbal conversations. She had heard, oh, I heard this prophet in Israel. She'd heard that. And that's remarkable. That is remarkable. And she had a, it says three things about her background. Gentile, religious background. Syria-Phoenician, that's her geographic background. And the Matthew account says she was a Canaanite. She was cursed. She was the people that were supposed to have been destroyed when Israel came in the land. They were worse than dogs. And Jesus had tried to escape notice. Wherever Jesus goes, he can't escape notice. But he tried. Well, let's look at the mother's petitions. There's four, actually almost four of them. The first petition, she said, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Now, I know that feeling. I know the anguish this mother went through. When my youngest son was involved in drugs, knocking holes in walls, getting in every kind of trouble you can get, you're looking for answers. You're looking for any hope. It is a horrible time. And my wife and I were praying about how do we proceed with this? We need to kick him out. That's tough love. I told her yesterday, I praise you for doing what a mother should do. Tough love. And it took me a while to think about it. I had to pray about it for a week before I agreed with her. But that was what was necessary. I hunted the boy up on the streets and found him, and God did the rest. 
But that's what a mother does. She provides a different insight. She has a tough love. She does not enable that person to go in that same direction. If you talk to Dr. Alsop, he's going to be in a faith-based narcotic deliverance program of the county. And we were talking about those days. He says, what thoughts do you have about that? Well, go. Go for it. But I know the people that my son went into drug treatment for. It took two or three shots before they came out. And I know one daughter never came out because the mother, a Christian believer, enabled her to continue. Mothers can't not afford to enable. They have to have a tough love. And so, this is a petition for mercy. She presented her need. All that was right. But the problem was, her petition was not on the right basis. Son of David. Well, she's not Jewish. She has no right there to say that. She had no rights, no ground, no promises, no priority, no inheritance, no hope. None of that. And she was met with silence. And I don't know if you've ever experienced the silence of God. I have. Sometimes there's reasons for it. But it's a strange feeling. And when you have that silence, you just continue to walk by faith. And what does the silence mean? Was there sin? Well, she wasn't even a believer. But for a believer, that can be the problem. It can be the problem. But it could also be that he has spoken already to many of us. But because of our fast-paced life, our own commitments, our own desires, we don't hear him. We don't hear him. We're not focused on the Lord Jesus Christ the way we should be. Or, it could be because of our motives for self, as James 4.3 talks about. We can't hear God because our motives are not pure. And that's a very good possibility. Or it could be a test of proving of our faith. Would she lean on his promises? See, this world's so complex these days, but the gospel, the living by faith, is so simple. Well, then she comes out shouting after the disciples. And that's what a lot of people do. Well, I prayed myself, nothing happens. I'm going to get everybody else to pray. I don't like that. You better have a good grounding for that. It's not the number of people that pray. It's the people who know the Lord dearly that pray. 
And so she was met by disciples complaining to Jesus. Do something about it. And Jesus' response, I was sent only to the house of Israel. That's his response. Well, that should have slammed the door shut. But then, three, she bowed down before him saying, Lord, help me. The prayer of helplessness is one of the most important prayers we need to pray. We need to get out of this crazy technology area. My phone went out this week. I thought, oh, wow. But then I thought, God, I'm going to have to learn the technology for a new phone. I'm not a high-tech person. I, statistics is high-tech, but phones, low-tech or something, it's never logical for me. So I was a little fearful of working through that. But I did. God was gracious. She bowed down to him and said, Lord, help me. A short prayer. Peter said that, said that walking on the water. Save me, Lord. Short prayers. They don't need to be verbose. They just be short, specific. And Jesus says, from Mark 7, this is something that comes out of Mark account, not out of the Matthew account. Let the children be satisfied first. That word first offer hope. Offered her hope. And Jesus' response after her prayer for help, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Well, the second important word there is dogs. She looked at herself humbly. We Canaanites are called dogs. We're the worst. We're not Jewish. We have no rights. I know it. But we can even feed from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. So we see faith, humility. Those two have to be in a mother. They have to be. And they can't become stagnant. They've got to continue to develop. Because life brings you some unusual twists. You have to be living by faith. Mothers have to. And many times you're beat up by the kids. I know my mom, we had, she had three boys. She didn't know what to do with three boys. She always wanted a daughter. Never had a daughter. And all my uncles, they all had three boys. So everybody in the family had boys. So we got together, we had a football team. So this woman, this mother, responds with faith. And Jesus comments, it's great faith. Think about it. She didn't have much knowledge. She responded to what she knew. Two words. First, 
dogs. See, when you study the scriptures, you've got to slow down sometimes and focus on words. I'll hit a verb, I'll pull out my Greek New Testament, I'll look, oh, that's what that means. There's a different perspective here. You've got to slow down and let God speak to you. Sometimes you have to do a search on the word. Where is it used? Everywhere else. You ought to have a large concordance that gets that word all, all through the scriptures, that same word. You need to study it. Those words, we miss great blessings by not doing that. It's a quiet time. I'm not running a race. I'm running to know Jesus better. That's what the race is. So this woman's faith was commended. And if you remember, another person in the New Testament whose faith was commended was Cornelius, the centurion, who's also a Gentile. Great faith. Interesting. Where was the Jews' great faith? Couldn't see it. So this woman showed humility, she showed helplessness. She showed faith and dependence upon his word. That's what God wants us to do. When we pray, we ought to be praying back his word. Even if it's words, short words. Remember, Ian e. Bounds makes the comment, helplessness is the essence of prayer because it is recognizing our inability to do anything but God's ability to do it all. And for, remember, in my study, recently I was studying, I'm trying to remember what I was studying, what God did a thousand years or four thousand years ago or a hundred years ago or two years ago, the miracles he did then, he can still do now. Don't limit God because of the corrupt culture and government and everything we have going in our life. Don't limit him. This woman didn't limit him, and she knew very little of him. And finally, an important timeline I need to mention. As we said, there were three miracles in this area, and the first one was in the Syrian Phoenician area in the north west corner above the Sea of Galilee. The other two miracles that follow this one immediately come at the southeast corner below Decapolis and Decapolis area. The distance I estimated this morning, 60 to 100 miles. Gentiles here, Gentiles here. They were all on the fringe. He was still committed to Israel, but he showed, this is a precursor, the gospel goes to everyone. I can't choose who. I've got to be prepared as to when. And all that timeline shows me is God is in control of time. Time and places. He has it all. Well, let's look at some of the thoughts I have. By the way, I had about 30 of them. And I knew you wouldn't let me read through 30 of them. <laughs> so I chose a few just to focus on. 
This mother had joy as a result of her answered prayer. I mean, you've got to realize the joy. The joy my wife and I have had over my son coming out of the control of drugs, it's a joy we still experience today. We're joyful, and he has a, a son, and he takes care of that son better than any mother and father could. We have a joy. But the first application I have, and I'm going to deviate a little bit, Reflect on your mother's impact on your life as to strengths, weaknesses, acts of love, and making time for you. That's what mothers do. That's what they should do. Give thanks for your mother and her input in your life and maybe your impact on her life. Now, if I had talked about my mother, you would think, golly, she was a strange woman. She was. She was. As soon as the kids left the home, her and my father, they took on a ranch that was in the family. It had been in the family about 70 years, and it's now been in the family 100 years plus. And so they got into cattle, running cattle on that, longhorns, red brangus, big cows. And I remember her when we would visit at the ranch, which was their, their new home. She would be walking in the pasture with her 30-30 rifle, cattle dogs running around before her. This land was very dangerous. Had rattlesnakes. I've seen them 16 foot long on this property. Uh, wild pigs, coyotes galore, deer, turkey. A lot of game. And my mom loved that. But she didn't know how to really love people. She was not a people person. Her only love for people came from my father being very outgoing. And I'm a lot like my mom. Apart from the grace of God, I've become very people-oriented because of the work he's done. But as a result of that, as my mom got to her last day, she was in a nursing home, she had several falls, and I would go, I was the only one who went back to work on the ranch. I would walk, I'd repair the fences, take care of the yards, both in town and so forth. I enjoyed that because it was for her. My other brothers didn't care. That's fine. Didn't bother me. But what was neat in all of it is my mom's time to in life was coming several years before that I had several of my cat books out and I would visit her in the nursing home and I would read the stories and take the pictures and she would stroke the pictures as if they were right there she loved animals she really did love animals and I know people in rescue groups love animals but they don't love God they don't love God. They love animals. I love animals because they're God's creation. But in those times, I got to share the gospel with her. And I think she came to know the law. And it was a very simple child evangelism way of sharing it with colors. I may have shared this once before. Red for the blood of Christ. Or black for our sin. Red for the blood of Christ. 
white for his holiness, green for growth, yellow for gold, streets of gold in heaven. And I think there was a different thing that came over. I won't know until I get to heaven. But you have an opportunity to give back. That shows whether you love your mother. And I hope as your kids grow up, you'll have that kind of treat. Number two, the silence of God can be a blessing. God's silence is not necessarily a no. It could be, as we said, due to improper motives or a test of our faith or even a delay as to God's timing. But for sure, the divine purpose is to draw us closer to Him. He's not out to discourage us. He's trying to draw us to Him. And if you're ever in a situation like that, this is why you need to have strong relationships with other believers so that you can ask them, what did you do in such a time? And discuss. And there's places I take people. I take them into uh, Job and uh, Isaiah. There are answers in Scripture for that. Three, the request, Lord, help me, reflects our helplessness. To help us recognize their inability to do anything, that's humility, and God's capable of doing everything, that's faith. Helplessness united with faith produces effective prayer. That's what Halleck said. Number four, it's not her background, her race, her gender, her perseverance, or persistence, but her great faith in the Lord, His Word, and humility. That's what other each mom should do. She seized on his words and reasoned biblically. Reasoned biblically. Crumbs from the table. That's taking God's word and making it your own. Good mothers must do likewise to that. If you go to the book of 1 Peter... We all know Peter had a problem with pride, as I've taught on before. He really did. And you go to the book of 1 Peter, you see, it, you see comments like this. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Well, Peter didn't exhibit that much. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Peter had to experience that. And then he notes, God is opposed to proud, gives grace to the humble. Gives grace to the humble. He still does. Those still hold. And finally, Colossians 3, 12, and 13, I think summarizes it well. It says, As those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Do not all these soft graces describe my mother? I think they do. But they should describe every believer in Christ. Every believer. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for our mothers, even mothers who made mistakes and maybe didn't know you, but they were doing the best they could in their time. We can't judge that. I pray that we'll take some time today to reflect on our mothers, give them thanks, give thanks to you for them, and how they were instrumental in getting us started on a path of righteousness. We pray.
commit this all to you in our Savior's name. Amen.